Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. And the hits. Go for the stakes. And the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. The Phillies are up one nothing. I can't be more excited for that. They have a chance to go up two nothing going into Philly Friday. It's going to be a big weekend in the South Philadelphia Sports Complex. Tone the Shields, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling good, Jeff. You know, like you said, it's going to be a big weekend in sports. Eagles, Cowboys, Phillies, Braves, and the NLDS. You know what I mean? These Sixers are. Uh, you know, it seems like they have. You know, some things cooking. You know, uh, some things cooking. Some things in the works. You know, the team looks pretty good thus far, but you know, it's only the preseason. But nonetheless, you know, man, I'm so excited about football right now. Football is king, and man, these Cowboys—they're—they're they're coming to town on Sunday, and it's NFC East. They—they're just in general looking like the beast of the East rather than the NFC least. Yeah, the the, the beast of the East—they're the beast of football. Tone. I mean, it's <laughs> starting to feel like a classic. NFC East here, you know, the NFC East, maybe, maybe not what you grew up with, but definitely when I was growing up, the NFC East had the Cowboys were good every year. Eagles always were a thorn in their side. They, they would give them a game. The Giants were hit or miss. Washington was hit or miss. But in the early 90s, as probably a lot of our streamers here remember, the Cowboys were good. The Eagles were good. Washington was good. The Giants were good. Washington isn't good, but – it does feel like the NFC East right now is the best division in football. And I actually had to write a piece for CBS Sports today telling why it's the best division in football after being the worst two years ago. And so what do you remember most about how bad the NFC East or was just two years ago? Oh, man. It was – okay, so let's really think about this. Okay, two years ago, the Philadelphia Eagles only won four games. <laughs> uh <laughs> I believe who won the who won the division two two years ago the Washington, Washington. Com- the Washington Commanders with an eight and eight record or something like yeah, that. No, they like, weren't even eight and eight. They were in a seven and nine. See, so you you were able to win this division without a winning record two years ago. Now the tables have turned. Eagles are finally back to relevance. Cowboys appear to be relevant. Appear. Uh, Giants have risen from the dead like the walking dead like zombies they've they you know they've just shocked everyone in terms of their victories how they've won but you know it's just something about the something about the giants it doesn't feel legitimate to me you know it just feels more so like okay you know they're they're taking advantage of the schedule like us of course and they have a couple high quality victories they beat the packers that's 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 pretty big too and um you know to watch the commanders they just look like a shell of themselves. They look so out of sorts. Ron Rivera is calling out the quarterback, which is hilarious to me. Uh, then he's backtracking, apologizing to the quarterback. But I think he meant what he said. You know what I mean? But overall, this division, three teams out of four are doing really well. You know, what more can you ask for? Uh, the better the competition, the better the Philadelphia Eagles will be, right? So two years ago, and I still remember this like it was yesterday. When the Commanders were playing for the division title, they were playing against the Eagles on Sunday Night Football. The Eagles had two embarrassing Sunday Night Football games, by the way. But you remember the Eagles had the lead in the second half, and they decided, you know what? This game don't mean anything to us. 
we got four wins. We're playing for a better draft position, which they had every right to. They all have to play for a victory. They can hand Washington the division if they want. And Joe Judge, with his 6-10 and 10 record, complaining of what the Eagles are doing, saying that they were going to make the Eagles pay for that. Well, the Eagles are really good. Joe Judge is a terrible coach who is on the New England Patriots right now, and the New York Giants are infinitely better because him and the state of Dave Gellman are removed from their roster. And I'll tell you, Tony, I feel a little different with you about the Giants. I'm not sure if they're going to be good long-term, but I got to go by what I got to go by through five weeks. They right. beat the Tennessee Titans. They're 3-2. and two. They beat the Green Bay Packers. They're 3-2. and two. Sunday's going to be a major test because I think the Ravens are better than both those teams. But, right. look, look, Daniel Jones still isn't great. The offensive line still isn't great. But Brian Dable is finding a way to get the most out of what I think is a bad roster. And you got to give the Giants credit for that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the most credible thing about what's been going on over there is the fact that Brian Dayball understands his personnel and he came in there. He, he, he came in there with the mentality of, I don't care what you did the year before or the year before that, or what they tell me that you're supposed to do. The best guys are going on the field. The most productive guys are going on the field. The guys that understand what we're trying to do here and that are buying into what we're doing here are going on the field. Case in point, Kenny Galladay, he's not buying in. He's not productive. Therefore he's not on the field that much. Saquon Barkley, he is their offense. He is their locomotive. And everyone and everyone else, such as Daniel Jones, are the are the caboose. And they go as they go as Saquon goes. So yeah, I think the reason my ex my, not expectations, but I think the reason I don't think too highly of them quite yet is because they're so one-dimensional. They go as Saquon goes. If Saquon is if, if Saquon can't go, they can't go. And I think that's the problem where you think about other teams in the NFC East, like the Eagles, they have multiple ways of beating you. They've shown that um, the Cowboys, you know, they've they've had to get creative with their backup quarterback and they've simplified the game plan, but they've learned how to win without Dak Prescott. So, you know, those are the signs of a good team. But overall, the, the New York Giants are well coached and you, you can't deny the Brian Dayball effect. It, it, it's, it's amazing what competence and professionalism can do for an organization. It's weird because. I kind of like to compare them to the Eagles from last year because of how they're running the ball. They're one of the best rushing teams in football. They do have a great running back in Saquon Barkley. Now, Daniel Jones is a Jalen Hurts by, by any means. He's still a young quarterback, though. But right. I think their defense, Wink Martindale is getting the most out of what he had. He, for most of the season, he hasn't had Kayvon Thibodeau or Aziz Uziari. And they're still finding ways to basically stop opponents like – I, I can't even tell you sometimes who the Giants cornerbacks are week to week because they're down so many of them. I mean, they could put me and you back there, Tony, and probably Wink Martin would be able to find some way to not give up a big play. He's a great coach. I, I, I mean, it, the, the staff around there is incredible. Mike Kafka being the offensive coordinator and Andy Reid disciple, the play caller, Wink Martindale. Yeah, you're right. It's amazing what happens when you have some confidence in the front office and – and, and the coaching staff, and now you're looking at, okay, what's going to happen when we get an actual quarterback? What's going to happen when we get actual wide receivers, actual tight ends, better offensive linemen? If you're a Giants fan, you're probably thinking to yourselves, hey, you know what? The Eagles and Cowboys think they're going to run this division the next five to ten years. We're coming. Yeah, you know, and, and again, like I mentioned before, right, that's the, that's the great thing about having most of the teams in, in the division doing well. Because, you know, you don't want to continue to beat up on bad teams. You know, iron sharpers iron. You know, not you know, not many teams are as good as the old New England Patriots that were able to beat up on the Miami Dolphins and the rest of the AFC East. You know, all year round. You know, for several you know for you know, for several years. Sometimes you know you need to go against better competition so you can properly gauge where you are and so you can continue to elevate your game to the next level. That's why this game this Sunday is so important for the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys respectively, because both these teams have a lot on the line and both these teams have something to prove. The Philadelphia Eagles are trying to resurge from last year. They got crushed by the Cowboys um, on multiple occasions. And then Dallas Cowboys, they're trying to reassert dominance. And also they're trying to wait, they're trying to coast or tread water until uh, their star quarterback, Dak Prescott comes back. So, you know, it's really going to be fascinating to see how that game turns out uh, specifically because both teams are so good at what they do. And, you know, I'm just curious, um, Jeff, you know, what do you think each team 
in the NFC East, what's their calling card? You know, what's their trademark? I feel like I feel like each team has their identity and what they're trying to and what they're trying to accomplish. How would you define each individual team's identity in the NFC East? See, it, this was weird for me. It's the Giants. It's running the football. They're well coached. Saquon Barkley. It, you know, the whole nine yards. It, it just feels like as long as Saquon Barkley's healthy, like you said, the Giants are going to be a problem because they have Brian Dable. I, I think that's the one injury they can't afford to have. So I'm going to say Saquon Barkley and Brian Dable are right now the identity of the New York Giants. They're going to play tough, smash mouth football. They're not going to lay down. Like you're not going to see the Giants lose 40 to 10 often under this coach. I, I just don't see that. I think they're going to get the Baltimore Ravens probably their best game Sunday. And if they get blown out by them, so be it. But I, I don't think you're going to see anybody on that team quit. For, for the Eagles, I, I honestly think it's Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts. I think it's a package deal. Like, Jalen Hurts keeping that mentality. I personally hate being 5-0. and I don't really want to talk about being 5-0. and It's No, it's win the week. Win the practice. Win, win the, you know, Nick Sirianni has like 10 to 12 practice sessions during the practice. Winning them. Like, everything is a competition for the Eagles. And I think that's why... Even when the Eagles play bad, you know it's not for they took a team lightly. It's just they got the other team's best, like they did on Sunday. And they still were able to pull out a win. I thought the Eagles were fortunate to win the game Sunday. But yet they were still able to do it because when push came to shove, the Eagles made sure they did what was necessary to win a football game, even though the Cardinals had blunders. But I I, I think that's – that's the mentality of the Philadelphia Eagles, right? It, it's they're a very talented team, but they're also a very hungry team. It's it, it, it's weird. They're, they're not underdogs as they were in seventeen. That was their identity. This team is. You want to give us our best shot here? You know, here it is. Come get it. Um, the Cowboys, obviously, their defense. Micah Parsons, um, Demarcus Lawrence, Darren Armstrong, guys like that. They are going to get after the quarterback every single time. Their defense is one of the best in football, not the best in football. Uh, their secondary is very good. So I, I think for the Dallas Cowboys, is they're a defensive-minded team. It's no longer Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott. They're, they're the faces of the Cowboys. I think it's how can we stop the Dallas Cowboys' defense? Because their offense just doesn't score. Their defense hasn't let up more than 20 points this year. That's a lead to me. And Washington, who the heck knows what their identity is? I mean, you know, you got a head coach that's, Blaming the quarterback. You got guys out of position. They're more talented than what they should be. And here's an interesting thing, Tony. You know who has the toughest schedule remaining the rest of the season in all of football? The commanders? Yeah. <laughs> so it's not going to get any easier for them, is it? Yeah, I kind of led you into that. Um, here's one thing where the SEC is going to get tested. You know, we keep saying they have an easy schedule. The commanders have the toughest schedule remaining. And, again, this is based on quality of opponents this year, their opponents' records. Cowboys are fourth, and the Eagles and Giants are ninth. So it's not like it's a walk in the park right now. Right. Yeah. I see what you mean. You know, I'm I'm so fascinated by the Cowboys and the Eagles because, you know, I think about what the Cowboys do so well, and I also think about what the Eagles do so well. The Eagles run the ball extremely well. Uh, the Cowboys have a really strong front seven. And, you know, that begs the question, how do the Eagles counter what the Cowboys do well? And you mentioned also that the Cowboys, they don't really score a lot of points, right? So, you know, just to you know shift the conversation forward a little bit, you know, to, um, you know, to Sunday's game, and we're going to flush it out more and more as the week progresses. But, you know, I'm thinking about how the Philadelphia Eagles take advantage of the Dallas Cowboys, and particularly Cooper Rush's limitations, right? What do you think the game plan should be for the Philadelphia Eagles on defense when it comes to limiting Cooper Rush? Because you said yourself, they don't really put up that many points. So is it just a matter of outscoring them? Is it, you know, um, harassing Cooper uh, Cooper Rush with, you know, um, different blitzes and, you know, different conflict schemes? Like, what's what's your game plan uh, for dealing with Cooper Rush and those Cowboys on offense? I actually think the Rams kind of exposed it a bit. You got to get to Cooper Rush. And – they have a guy in Aaron Donald that can do that. Well, the Eagles got multiple guys and get they can get to the quarterback. You got Fletcher Cox, you got Javon Hargrave. Jordan Davis is in that mix now. And that's just the interior. Son Reddick, Josh Sweat, Brandon Graham. The Eagle, the Eagles defensive front 
is by far the best defensive front the Dallas Cowboys offensive line will see this year. They haven't been tested outside of the Rams, and now they're going to get it. And I, I, I think the Bengals have a good defensive front, but it's not like the Rams. And the Rams, it's Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, and whoever you want to throw in there, right? Well, they were able to get home, and Cooper Rush fumbled the ball twice. Rush may have some ball security issues. So the Eagles mm. got to get to him. They can't let Rush get off the quick passes. Dallas is going to counter by running the football, by the way. So I think we're going to see a lot of Jordan Davis on Sunday night. I, I, I really feel, though, it, it, it sounds simple, Tone. Get 25 points. And I don't think the Dallas Cowboys beat you. Yeah, it's, it does sound simple, right? But somehow <laughs> Jonathan Gannon finds a way to overcomplicate it. And you're right. I think I think Jordan Davis is going to be huge in this game. The Dallas Cowboys really rely on a running game right now. Um, and, look, we, we still really don't know who's going to start. I think it's going to be Cooper Rush, if I'm being completely honest with you. Um, we haven't heard any updates about Dak. And I don't know. I just don't think I, don't, I just don't think his hand is is right. I just I just don't think he's he's quite there yet. Um, he's turning in the right direction, obviously, but I just don't think he's there yet. So I think it's going to be a Cooper Rush game. If I'm Jonathan Gannon, I'm harassing him. I'm I'm sending I'm sending I'm sending four, maybe five. You know, TJ Edwards has been has been doing a really good job. You know, getting through. Um, he has about two sacks on a year. Um, that's pretty good for him and what he does. So, um, I would love to see Jonathan Gannon start out with the blitz and just let let those guys know. We're coming for you. And Hassan Reddick has been hot. You know, he's cooking right now. I think Hassan Reddick I, – I, I think this is going to be a Jordan Davis game, and it has to be a Hassan Reddick game on defense. And, you know, on the offense side of the ball, you know, Jalen Hurts and those boys, you know, they have a tall task. Um, that's a really, really good defense they're going up against. But we're also the Philadelphia Eagles are not the same offense as last year. They don't have the same limitations as last year. You have too many people to account for. And I know Trevon Diggs is that guy, Michael Parsons is that guy, Demarcus Lawrence, so on and so forth. But, you know, we, we know what Michael Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence, we know what their job is. They're going to try to get to the quarterback. But other than that, Trevon Diggs, I mean, Trevon Diggs, he's a, he's a gambler. He's a risk taker. He's, 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 either, he's either going to, he's either going to you know, get, get the deflection or the pick or, you know, he's going to get burnt for maybe 30, 40, 50 yards. You know, it, it happens. That's just his style. That doesn't make him a bad cornerback. It just makes him a different style of cornerback, uh, a risk taker. So um, I'm curious to know. How do you think the uh, Eagles will expose the, uh, the Cowboys defense? Because the Cowboys defense hasn't faced an offensive line as good as ours. Granted, we have some injuries that we're trying to get through, but they haven't faced an offensive line as sturdy as ours that has as much depth as ours. Um, how do you think the Philadelphia Eagles uh, respond to that Cowboys defense? Well, first off, I think Jordan Malata has to be healthy. Bottom line, I think he has to. And I'm not talking about Jordan Malata playing on a bad shoulder where he can barely hold it. No, he has to be Copping enough where he could be affected, right? So that's the first thing I got to get out of the way. Second, I think the Eagles got to push their offensive lineman forward. And I, I said this yesterday. They got to run the football. I, I, I think you got to really pound the football, Miles Sanders and Jalen Hurts, and kind of keep this defense on their toes so you could set up A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith. I, I'll tell you who's going to play the biggest role in this game for me on offense. Dallas Goddard. He's mm, second in the league. In the league, in the league, in yards after the catch. Because I think he's Jalen Hurts' ultimate security blanket. I think Hurts trusts him. He did last year. He always seems to go to him. Goddard can catch a four-yard pass, and he can make it 12. I think that's the guy that can really be a backbreaker for the Cowboys' defense. And then that sets up the big play to A.J. Brown, the big play to Devonta Smith. It's weird how defenses this year, and this is across the league tone, they are doing whatever they can to stop big plays. And yet the Philadelphia Eagles find ways to make big plays anyway. I, I That's very impressive on their part. But to me, it's running the football, getting into Dallas Goddard, and wearing that defense down so by the second half you have an opportunity to create big plays and create separation for yourselves. Yeah, I, I would agree with you, right? Dallas Goddard is definitely the, the ultimate weapon, uh, the ultimate security blanket. You know, I, I would love for A.J. Brown to have a bounce back week. Uh, and I, I'm just going to be so fascinated by that matchup between him and Trevon Diggs, right? You know, Trevon Diggs is one of the better corners in the, in, in the league. AJ Brown, right now, top five in yards. You know, so he's so he's so he's getting it done as well. Um, so I'm really it's really going to be fascinating to watch. But I agree with you. I think this game has to start with the running game. I think you have to wear down that Dallas Cowboys front seven. You have to wear them down. So about time you get to that second half, those guys 
Those guys aren't really running on their second motor. Those guys barely can get to their third or their fourth motor. You know what I'm saying? Those guys are going to be struggling. Those guys are going to have their hands on their hips. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's going to be important for Shane Steichen. And I trust Shane Steichen to make adjustments. I think his I think his weakest game plan was last week against Arizona. Um, but I expect a bounce back game from him. Um, I think they all know what's on the line here. But we have our guy, Kevin Borlard, uh, in, the, you know, in the green room. Super excited to hear what he has to say about this NFC East thus far. Uh, any final thoughts before we get out of here, Jeff, um, until our break? Uh, I'll tell you what, Tony. Kevin's going to bring it today. I mean, the Giants are 4-1, so you're going to want to tune in to hear what Kevin has to say. That's all That's all I got. Hey, absolutely, man. I feel you on that. Those those Giants got a really big victory in London. So, uh, man, make sure you guys keep it locked. You guys are locked in on Good Morning NFC East with Jeff Kerr. I'm your humble host, Tone Just the Second. Don't move, you guys. Keep it locked. fans on earth it's a bold statement but would you expect anything less from philadelphia 58 years of heartache creates a toughness a grit a resolve not found in most sure our prayers were answered but now that we've had a taste we're looking for more pondley hockey official partner of the philadelphia eagles Faces you know, the team you trust. The Delaware Valley's leading news program, Action News. Go for the beers, go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the scene, go for the screens. Go for the gallery, go for the win. Go to Ocean. Their punter may be stuck in London, but you certainly are not, my friend. No, Jeff. You think they would let me in that country with a with the energy I bring? Way too much. Jeff, by the way, I see you got the Philly shirt on. Like, should I just get in my bunker now? Like, are we gonna make it through the weekend? Is it too too much Philly sports going on? I feel like the the area is just gonna explode. I actually joked with a couple of uh, my superiors at CBS that Citizens Bank Park may be burnt to the ground by the time I walk in the walk into the link for Eagles Cowboys Sunday and 
I might not get out of the link because Bill Array had the torches ready in case the Eagles beat the Cowboys. I just assumed you were going to post up there Friday and just not come home. Just kind of go to the Phillies games uh, Saturday if needed and then on Sunday. I also thought it was funny you sent that whole tweet. Didn't even mention the Flyers who are opening this weekend. <laughs> Jeez, just complete blatant disrespect for one of the major four sports teams. Did you see my savage response to the one guy who mentioned the union? My brother-in-law is a big union fan, by the way. I said, well, if you knew anything about the union, they clinched first in the Eastern Conference, so they're not playing this weekend. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, man, I, I hey, I know it wasn't an omission. Jeff Kerr does not miss a Philly sport. He just says, maybe not worth this tweet. Yeah, they're not even worth being on um, ESPN Plus, the Flyers. I, I, I mean, I, I think you have to watch them on ESPN Plus this weekend. Like, I can't even get Jim Jackson on the first game of the year. Why should I get excited for this? Yeah, well, I'll be watching all of it, so watching to make sure that I can travel. Yeah, our, our buddy uh, Mike DeCipia. That's the only reason I support the Flyers, Mike DeCipia. Okay, yeah, that's good. Me too, same here. Yeah. So, Kevin, I mean, you're still a cloud nine, right? The, the Giants are four and one. Who would have thought that? I mean, not me. <laughs> not me. Uh, I will say I said heading into this week, like it's London. Anything can happen in London. It's obviously a massive road trip. There's a bunch that goes into it, but it's also a whole circus. It's like a mini European Super Bowl with all the media attention and fan stuff that you have to do and Players obviously want to see the area they're arriving uh, a few days ahead of time. It's just not your usual schedule. And then I think what was kind of interesting is the Giants didn't even put a bye week after London. And I remember when that came out, like back uh, in the spring or the summer, that it, whenever April, whenever they announced the schedules, it was like, yeah, the Giants probably aren't going to like they didn't request their bye week after London. In fact, they said they don't want it then which I thought was really weird, but also kind of shows that I think that this coaching staff probably had the idea that, Hey, this is just another business trip. Whereas, um, you know, the Packers, it was their first time ever going to London um, and playing there. They were the last of the 32 franchises to make the trip and the giants are undefeated in London. So I guess it just is par for the course. You know, I started getting the feeling more and more by the week that the giants had a really good chance to beat green Bay just from the priest's, the, the pre-week vibes, I, I I guess, all the stories that come out before the game, like Rasul Doug was saying how much he hated playing there, and Aaron Rodgers said he wished he got to spend more time there. And you know, you're hearing all these stories about Packers hating London. They Why are we in London? And you got the Giants, you know, that you see on their social media account, they're visiting stuff. They're, they're kind of enjoying their trip, but they also know, like you said, it's a business trip. They're here to win a football game. But it felt like it was a healthy balance. Whereas on the other end, you got Green Bay complaining, trying to find 32 reasons why they shouldn't be in London, even though they were the last team to go. And now all of a sudden the Giants are, they go down early and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, okay, if Green Bay gets one more score, I think I'll be enough. Well, it was, they let the Giants hang around in there and I got to give Daniel Jones all the credit in the world. I thought that was his best game as a professional quarterback. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, he's had a couple shining performances, but that one, I think with Saquon going down in the second half, he ended up coming back and scoring a touchdown late in the game, but he was not on the field for that 15 play, eight minute, 91 drop, 91 yard drive to, you know, tie the game. And I thought that that was, you know, such a gutsy drive. He was scrambling on that drive, um, had a bloody hand, um, completing passes to you know practice squad dudes um it really was a gutsy performance by daniel jones and you know you wouldn't know just by watching that that this dude like was limping on the field you know pulled out of the game a week ago against the bears with an ankle injury and they had to go wildcat quarterback the rest of the way like there was no signs that he had a lingering ankle injury um Compare that to a guy like Kadarius Tony, who gets more and more hurt the less he plays somehow. Like Daniel Jones is the type of dude, I think, at least mentality wise, and the way he gives up his body for the team, like that's the guy you want to build around, not a Kadarius Tony. I have to bring this up with Daniel Jones. I still don't think he's ultimately their guy. But say this keeps up and they keep playing this well. And I. I'm not saying they're going to win like 
11, 12 games here, but say they win eight or not, and they're in the playoff mix. And Jones keeps playing like he's doing, not turning the football over, not fumbling the ball, kind of running the offense. Do you stick with him? I would stick with him only because who in college this year is that guy? that dude and also look at the trajectory of the season like does it look like you're going to have a top five top 10 pick like who are you going to get in maybe the middle or the second half of the first round that's going to run the offense better than daniel jones probably no one there's a good chance that maybe he's on the franchise tag next year it might be another prove it year for daniel jones next year um we'll see though i think that the tide is changing I think that Brian Dable, his comments after the game were pretty, these were his most resounding comments in terms of saying like, I'm glad that Daniel Jones is our quarterback. He's had some excellent games this year. I mean, he's led three uh, second half comebacks this year. And I think that the game script against the Packers followed very similarly the one against the Titans in week one. They just wore them down in the second half and Daniel Jones made the plays that he needed to make. Like, I think if you watch his highlights, you're not turning on Patrick Mahomes or Justin Herbert. Everyone knows that at this point. But, dude, as far as a gutsy guy who can ru- run an offense, and he doesn't do too much. Um, like, even though his supporting cast is weak, like, he's made a lot out of a little. And I think that if they make it to the trade deadline and there's still, like, you know, one or two losses at that point, I think Brian Dayball owns owes it to – Daniel Jones and Giants fans to go out there and make a move to go get a receiver. Um, I know that they really don't want to dip into that cash for next year, but if you're in the hunt, like you got to see what you got in Daniel Jones. I feel like they were kind of sitting on this season thinking like, we won't play Darius Slayton. Uh, we're going to put Saquon Barkley on display. And then if we're, you know, if the, if the walls fall in by the trade deadline, we're just going to, you know, fire sale who you want, anyone kind of like what's going on with the Panthers right now. So um, that's the way I think that the flip, uh, the script is flipped even on the coaching staff in the front office with how good they played and overperformed so far. Yeah. They win Sunday against the Ravens. If you look at their schedule and you know, schedule a lot better than I do. I don't see them kind of falling if they do beat the Ravens. And I, I think they're capable of doing it, but yeah, I actually think that there's like, who is better equipped to know Lamar Jackson's weaknesses than Wink Martindale, you know, who was the defensive coordinator in Baltimore. And like, he's doing an incredible job with what the giants have done this year with their blitz packages. If you listen to Rogers on uh, the Pat McAfee show yesterday, he was just hyping up the giants defense and saying Wink Martindale is like one of the creative, most creative coordinators out there with his blitz packages. Like if he's befuddling Aaron Rodgers with, the pressure he's sending, what's he going to do with Lamar Jackson, who he's watched probably closer than any player who his defenses have gone up against in practice more than any quarterback um, over the past four years. So I can't think of a guy who's better equipped to stop Lamar Jackson and the Ravens offense than Wink Martindale. And then you're right. After that, they go to Jacksonville. They should win that. And then they go all the way out to Seattle for, uh, to play the Seahawks. I could see that as, as, you know, kind of looking way ahead now the Ravens and Jaguars aren't you know the Giants aren't like a juggernaut here so but I I see that trip to Seattle um as as that's probably not going to go well for them but you have to look at this too if you're say you beat the Ravens you're five one all of a sudden you think hey we can beat that team we can beat that team for sure and I think that this team the Giants are definitely feeling that way like I don't know if you go into I remember where it felt like after the Cowboys game after all right okay cool you you broke out the all whites um you played on Monday night you got you know the score was kind of close but let's be honest the Cowboys were the stronger more dominant team they looked like the better team um throughout that game um you know and then you build your confidence back up with the win over the Bears and then like it's completely different week to week um Going into the Packers game, if you're going in off two straight losses, you're like, oh, there's no way they beat the Packers. But, you know, one win or two wins, stringing them together, and you get a little winning streak going, all of a sudden uh, you start to feel like world beaters. And, yeah, that's why I feel like going into the Ravens game, it's like, yeah, why couldn't the Giants beat them? Um, especially when you see 
like the Ravens are not that far from being five and oh, and they, they kind of uh, have uh, beat themselves, I guess you could say in a couple of games. So um, why wouldn't that happen against the giants? Or why couldn't it? And, you know, we, we kind of mocked it a couple of weeks ago, you know, them beating the Titans, even though it was a big win. Well, how good are the Titans? Well, the Titans are three and two now. Well, how good are the Packers? Well, a week ago, we were saying the Packers are Super Bowl contenders. Now yeah. what are we saying about it? So you beat those two teams. Why not? I know. I was actually speaking to uh, your colleague, Jordan Dijani. He had to rank uh, all the teams with at least three wins uh, for an article I think he's putting out today. And he just could not put the Giants anywhere other than 14th, last out of the 14. And I was like, dude, why? They've beaten two of the teams that are you have ranked ahead of them. And, uh, you know, you really think they're better than the there, you think the Jets are better than them? Like, come on, come on, don't don't give me that. And then, you know, there's all this stuff about like he's like, well, what about the Dolphins? Like, Tua didn't play. It's like, okay, well, what about the Giants? Like, Kadarius Tony and Kenny Galladay didn't play. Like, are we just working in an imaginary fantasy world where, like, I don't understand why everyone makes excuses why the Giants are good. It's like, oh no, that's not real. Um, you know, this or that. Um, but like, oh, the Dolphins, it, it, the, their 40 to 17 loss or whatever it was to the Jets doesn't count because uh, Tua didn't play. You know, what, why, why does no one say, hey, you know, the Giants would have destroyed the Packers if they had anyone uh, at wide receiver other than practice squad guys? No one says that. So I think they like to have it both ways. And I saw a tweet from Talking Giants. If you look at the four or five teams with four wins or five wins, including the Eagles, uh, the Giants are tied with the Vikings for the best record among their opponents, 13 and 12, whereas the Eagles have the worst of those teams at 10 and 15. Yeah, I think what where the Eagles are getting the legitimacy is not just beating teams, how they're beating them, and the Vikings are four one. is you can't say, well, the Eagles didn't play anybody. Well, yeah, they did. They, the Vikings had one loss. That's to the Philadelphia Eagles, and the Eagles blew them out. And the Cowboys are the team to me. It's I think they're a really good team. I, I do. But are the Rams as good as they were? Are the Bengals as good as they were? I'm not sure. I mean, yeah, they're impressive wins. They're down. The Giants win's impressive now. But if you look at the numbers here, they're not scoring a lot of points. They're just getting by because of bad. They're playing bad offensive lines, and they play them consecutively. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that Cooper Rush has played really well. Like he's a smart quarterback who's not making a lot of mistakes, and dude doesn't lose. So it's kind of hard to come down on their offense because they're doing enough to win the game. I think that I go back and forth on those three defenses: Giants, Eagles, Cowboys. Like who's the best defense? I'm leaning Cowboys just because I think that they're. I think that their pass rush with Micah Parsons and with Demarcus Lawrence, like that's a really good duo. And they worked the giants when they played them. Um, but then you look at the Eagles secondary and you're like, Oh my gosh, that's gotta be the best secondary in the league. And then you look at the giants with wink Martindale and they're like, they got the most creative defensive coordinator. So I don't know. I go back and forth on those three teams and I love, I saw your little, uh, you know, tease in the tweet where like, how did the, NFC East get so good so fast, like from 2020 to 2022. And I think one of the biggest reasons is Ron Rivera will tell you quarterback. And two, um, the second biggest reason is defense. They look like the old school NFC East where all three of these teams, four of these teams, maybe with Washington, we can, we can kind of lump them in, but like hard, tough nose defense, you know? And uh, I think that that's the NFC East and the brand of football that I'm used to watching from growing up from watching the old school highlights, you know, from the eighties and stuff. So I, uh, I love it, and I think that uh, I think that it's it's high time for the Giants and the rest of the NFC East to kind of get their turn to beat up on the rest of the league because 2020 was uh, uncalled for with the amount of hate the NFC East got from the rest of the league. As you remember correctly, I wrote a bunch of articles about it. it's not the worst division in NFL history. There actually have been worse, but because you got the big markets like New York, Philadelphia, Dallas. Washington, they're all prestigious franchise. Remember, we're still the division that boasts, hey, every team in our division has a championship, has a Super Bowl championship. What does your division have? And I, I think people get tired of hearing that. But I, I secretly think 
the NFL and NBC really want the Giants to win Sunday because everybody in New York's going to be glued to Philadelphia, Dallas, because if Philadelphia loses, we got a three-way tie for first place at five and one. Oh my gosh. Wouldn't the NFL love that? I, I, I honestly like can't think of anything that would be more. I can't think of a race an NFC East race or a time where this race would have been more exciting than if that happens on Sunday, like, three teams at five and one and you look at the rest of the league, like how many teams across the league, there's historic parity. It feels like where, you know, every team is three and two or two and three. And then all of a sudden you look at the NFC East and there's three, five and one teams potentially after this week. We'll see. I mean, it could also be, you know, the Eagles take care of business and they start to separate themselves from the pack. I mean, I feel like the Eagles, you mentioned earlier how they, the, the nature of the games that they've won. Well, that Arizona Cardinals game was the first game where they really had to play a full 60 minutes and they pulled it out and they did it and they proved that they could do it. But okay. I feel like a lot of people are a little reluctant to jump on the bandwagon, even though people love Jalen hurts. Like I, I feel like people's head and hearts aren't in the same place on Jalen hurts. Like a lot of people love him as a player but I also feel like when you spend a whole offseason saying, wow, the Eagles have a great roster, the only question mark is quarterback. It's a big question mark. Do they have the quarterback? Is Jalen Hurts the guy? Um, you know, it takes some momentum, and you need to string a lot of wins together to kind of get everyone to believe that that's the guy. He can be the guy. Like, look at the way Geno Smith is playing in Seattle, and people are still like, well, no, I believe what I saw the last, you know, six years as opposed to what I've seen, you know, in these last six weeks. You know? Yeah. Before I lead into this question, since you mentioned Geno Smith, he played well last year in, in place of Russell Wilson. He did not lose games for that team. So I'm kind of not surprised he's doing what he's doing, but I, I want to bring into this. So Jalen Hurts, if he wins Sunday night, and I'm not saying he has to play well, but the, if he leads the Eagles to victory, do you dub him, say, this is the guy, this is the franchise quarterback? Dude, I don't know how you couldn't. I, I'll be honest. Like, I think that there are some physical limitations in his skill set. Like, I don't, again, like, I don't think that, same with Daniel Jones. Like, I don't think that you're going to turn on the Jalen Hurts highlights and ever see Patrick Mahomes or a, you know, uh, Justin Herbert. But you might see a prime Russell Wilson, you know, he is making better throws than he's had ever before in his career this year. I don't think he's been in a situation where he's been down a touchdown or two. And it's like, all right, Jalen, put the team on your back. Let's see you uh, dig this team out of a hole with your arm. You know, then we'll see what that looks like. But there's also maybe the Eagles don't get there. You've seen their schedule. Like, I also think that there's a value. Like, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Like, there is value in a running quarterback who you know, keeps the defense honest with his legs. I think that's what Daniel Jones does. I think it's what Lamar Jackson does. I think it's what Jalen Hurts does. And I think there's teams like Chicago who go out and draft a Justin Fields, get this idea that, oh, we have a Patrick Mahomes caliber talent or a, you know, or a Justin Herbert caliber talent, and they don't play to his strengths. You know, like the Giants aren't embarrassed to run a bootleg with Daniel Jones and, and get an ugly first down. Same with the Eagles. They're not embarrassed. To, okay. We're on the goal line. We're just going to QB sneak it with Jalen hurts. Cause it works like do what works. I think some coaches and some NFL teams get this idea of the glitz and the glamor of the position at quarterback. Cause the way the league is, but there's more than one way to win at the quarterback position. And I think that the Eagles and the giants and even the Cowboys with Cooper rush to a different, in a different degree are like accepting that. And that's why they're winning. I think fans get into that trap, too. It's, oh, Jalen Hurts has four passing touchdowns. Yeah, what's your point? He has six <laughs> rushing touchdowns. I, I don't – who – I think this is more of the Facebook crap. Who doesn't like scoring? I don't understand that logic. Yeah. Uh, hey, heads up. A six uh, touchdown, rushing touchdown, and a passing touchdown. They're both worth six points. It's the same. So, you know, I, like – I think it's a good thing. Like, especially if I think there's questions when it comes to like, when you look at giants versus Eagles, like, okay, can Daniel Jones's body handle 
we've already seen him get an ankle injury this year. He's been injured a million other ways in his career. Like, so can his body handle the rushing workload? That's a legitimate question. Jalen Hurts, he's built different, you know? Like, he can handle it, and not only is he going to handle it, he's probably going to deliver more blows than he's going to eat, you know? So I think that he's uniquely built for that type of role. And, yeah, fans should get over it and, you know, embrace it, to be honest. Like, the team is – five and oh and he's a big reason why so um like again there might be another game where the game script goes you know haywire and he's got to win a game with his arm and he looks completely different but you know i haven't that uh, cross that bridge when you get to it my favorite thing about jalen hurts this year is he's defeating all the narratives he can't throw or he can't throw to his left well he's thrown to his left more than ever can't throw across the middle of the field he's doing that more than ever can't play against zone coverage He's leading the, the league in completion percentage against zone coverage, and he's second in passer rating. It, what do you think, Kevin? Do you think Jalen Hurts is the MVP of the league through five weeks? I It would be really tough to make an argument against him or for anyone else. I mean, I think that Saquon Barkley is up there. Um, but, you know, yeah, I would. I, Jalen Hurts would get my vote. And we talked about that last week where I said, you know, it's probably Jalen Hurts. But just – Piggybacking on your point with him looking better throwing the ball, you know what else helps? Having great receivers. You know, you go out and get a quarterback, A.J. Brown. Look, I don't care if your quarterback is is Cooper Rush or Jalen Hurts or Daniel Jones or whoever. If you didn't have A.J. Brown before and now you do, you're going to be a better quarterback than you were the year before. Um, and then you got Devonta Smith on the other side. Like, come on, man. Like, that's a great wide receiver duo. Like, you would have to – you know, maybe you can hide some of those shortcomings with a wide receiver duo like that. You know, the Giants, like you can't with their wide receiver court, there's no hiding Daniel Jones' ability. Like you, what you're seeing is what you're getting. You know, he's got to make every throw because the wide receivers, you know, aren't going to be making any exceptional plays. So I think that it goes into roster building. And, you know, if you have a quarterback who you, can win with yeah you go out and you get him weapons and uh you know i think that's what the eagles have done with jalen hurts and it's part of the reason why he's made such a big leap is aj brown i came 46 into this show and you mentioned it a little bit here how about the whole ron rivera carson Wentz saga going on this week all right yeah so hold on i want to ask you do you think like did carson Wentz deserve an apology i don't think so no i wouldn't apologize to him i, I would said dude be better yeah, me too. I'd be like, yo, man, hey, season's like almost over and it's five weeks in, you know? Like, what does he owe Carson Wentz? I get it, like, for, like, locker room, like, oh, you don't want to throw the quarterback. Like, like, like Carson Wentz has such a history of being a great locker room guy. You know what I mean? Like, I just think that I get what he meant. What he probably meant was more like stability year over year at the quarterback position. And Washington's had a rotating door while Giants have had time to develop Daniel Jones. Eagles have had time to develop Jalen Hurts. Cowboys have had time to find out that Cooper Rush is better than Dak Prescott. But I think that, <laughs> I think that, um, you know, they're now jumping in with Carson Wentz and they're hitting the ground, trying to hit the ground running. They fall flat on their face through five weeks. And, you know, <laughs> I just don't know what they owe Carson Wentz. It's just, to me, it's another failed experiment. And honestly, one they should have known better. Like, they had an up-close look at Carson Wentz. They've seen him bounce around the league. Honestly, I don't know what they were thinking when they made that trade for him. Um, yeah, man, I think that that's a bad situation that's probably only going to get worse. And we've seen quarterbacks, countless quarterbacks, cost their coach jobs. And I think Ron Rivera is a really good coach and it would be really unfortunate if the ongoing quarterback drama in Washington costs him his job, because again, I think he's a good coach. Yeah. Washington, Carolina, I think are the two teams that have the most starting quarterbacks since 2019. And you see the, you're seeing the results. They just don't win games. And I, I just thought it was funny. He says quarterback literally a day after the whole Carson Wentz throws an interception at the goal line to cost his team a victory. And I mean, I don't care who you are. Like, I don't care what profession you are. If your boss just publicly shamed you like that, I don't think there's a way you recover. Right. Right. And again, like, I think that Ron Rivera was talking more about like stability at the quarterback yeah. position year over year, but how could you not perceive it the way you just described it? You know, especially when he just comes out like, okay, you can 
he just said quarterback. Like that's all he said. One word answer. You know, like there is a way to describe what I'm trying to convey on behalf of Ron Rivera that, you know, gets the point across without people thinking you just threw your quarterback onto the bus. But the way he phrased that, and he came out the next day and said, you know, like that wasn't the best way I had a bad day and stuff. So, but I don't know how you can't like, especially in the world of Twitter where you're not listening to the full quote, you see just like the tweet quote, you know, there's not even a video accompanied with it or anything. And people just say, Whoa, he just said quarterback blaming the whole thing on the quarterback. And I don't think it's all Carson Wentz's fault. I think that, you know, if you look at the way Washington was playing a couple of years ago, they were running the ball. Well, um, you know, they had a great defense. Like why has their defense fallen off? You know, like, Look at the look at the other three defenses in the division. So they're keeping those teams afloat or above afloat in in all three cases. So um, where did their defense go? That's not Carson Wentz. Yeah, if I was Rivera, I would have started with quarterback. Realized what I said and be like, well, I have linebackers that can't tackle. I have a secondary that can't cover. I have an offensive line that can't block. Like I would just completely just go balls to the wall and slam everybody on the football team and just say, hey, look, if we can't beat the Chicago Bears Thursday night. Forget. But by the way, that is our prime time game. Our prime time games this weekend, outside of Chiefs, Bills, Eagles, Cowboys, are absolutely horrendous to the game of football. You know, it's funny because the Thursday night matchups have long been like kind of made fun of and stuff. And this year, with it moving to Amazon Prime and a lot of people having to sign up for it that didn't previously have it, but they're like, I can't go a day without football. So I got to get it. And that's me too. But, uh, you know, they started off like, okay, Patrick Mahomes versus Justin Herbert, Thursday Night Football, Chiefs, Char Chargers, AFC West matchup. Like, everyone's happy with it. Hey, no buyer's remorse after that. Hey, I signed up for Amazon Prime, and I got a great product. Okay, last week you gave us Colts Broncos. The week before that, you we all watched what happened to Tua. Like, this week, everyone's kind of, like, cringing. Like, do I have to watch this game, like, be between my eyes like this? You know, Bears and um, – and the commanders i'm still not used to calling them yeah i'm not but, used to <laughs> but yeah man so you got justin fields who can barely complete 10 passes in a game versus carson wentz who <laughs> has the mental fragility of i don't know what and is was just called out by his coach at two days ago so i don't know what's gonna happen man that could be a really ugly quarterback battle that's all i'm saying man i'm i might need a drink for that one does it feel like Thursday night is becoming like the color rush night again? Because every team seems to be debuting their alternate helmets on a Thursday night. The Bears are doing it this week. Yeah, I know. I Yeah, I know. And I also, that's another like kind of unrelated point, which I think is going to be unpopular with a lot of fans. But I think that like teams like the Eagles and the Giants are doing it right with their alternate color helmets. Like the Eagles, they haven't broken it out yet. Do they have it yet or is it next year? It's going to be next year. They're doing an alternate black helmet this year. It might be okay. a one See, I don't like that. That was like the Cardinals this week with their like sh black, reddish, shimmery helmet. Dude, like when you turn the game on or when the Saints wore that black helmet a couple of weeks ago, when you turn the game on, you're, you have an immediate like, what is what am I watching? Who? What is this team? Like, you know, when you watch the Eagles and the Kelly Green, it's like, okay, I get it. I recognize the Kelly Green. I understand the Eagles. There's already a brand associated with that. I think it kind of works with what the Patriots wore this week um, with the white shell. Like the Bengals wearing the white shell helmet with the white tiger is a perfect example of the difference between social media and re reality. And on social media, those edits look sick. When you turn on the game on Thursday night, you're like, what is this? What is this team? I don't recognize them. And then you're like, oh, it's the Bengals and they're wearing like a white helmet. I, I get it. White tiger. But like in practice, I think it looks way less cool than it does, um, you know, on yeah. social media. And you're right. The Giants, the the Cowboys, even the, the Cowboys got to go back to their old uh, Thanksgiving throwbacks. You know, I, I think from the sixties and they're wearing them and you know, it, it, they're embracing their past. The Eagles are going to be doing it. Uh, I, it's a shame. Washington really can't because they, well, they, yeah. Also their uniforms look like XFL uniforms. The black <laughs> ones that they wore uh, two weeks ago with like the yellow lines above and below the name. It's like, what is this? The W right on the, like 
rip that off, put an L there because there's just a horrible, horrible uniform design. And uh, yeah, man, I don't know what they're doing with it. What I would do to fix the NFL, I would send the commanders. If I was a commissioner, I would send them down to the XFL. I'd move the Cardinals back to St. Louis and put them back in the NFC East. And then I'd call up the uh, Alabama Crimson Tide as the 32nd NFL franchise. Uh, Before I let you go, did you hear Roger Goodell kind of let slip? He wants a division in London. I did hear him say that, and it's like, whoa, man, pump the brakes, dude. One team, maybe I could get down with that. A whole division, what's going on? It's like prestige worldwide. <laughs> the, the first word in entertainment. But by the way, I, I don't think I would watch the NFL. In I'm sorry. Hey, we're going to get – you know what we should do? We should combine the NFL, the XFL, and the USFL, and the, the, the XFL slash USFL champion gets to go to the NFL, and the worst team in the NFL gets relegated. Right, right. Yeah, bring relegation to football. I would like it. And then we could play the USFL and the XFL games over in Europe. And if someone wins over there, yeah, bring them over here for a season. I like that. Don't just give them a division. Come on. The fans wouldn't over there wouldn't even appreciate or like it anyway. No, I, I think when fans go over there, I, I don't think they care who they're seeing. They're just seeing American football. I, I think they were more interested in the game than the actual teams that were playing. Oh, hundred percent. You ever see the stands? It's like, they're wearing like every team. They're like, yeah, football. They probably go. And like, I'm like, I'm going to eat a hot dog. And like, I could, I'm going to act like an American. You know what I mean? Like, it's probably like almost like a tongue in cheek type. I'm not, I'm not saying it's not fun for them, but it's probably like a time for them to be like, I'm going to like act like a, like a crazy American and watch a, an American it's football the, game. It's the British version of Ted Lasso. Yeah, exactly. Yes. That's what it is. Anyway, Kevin, once again, we're going to have you on next week. Hopefully the Giants can continue the momentum of the NFC East. Hopefully Eagles-Cowboys have a good game. Uh, Before I let you go, you got a prediction? For the Giants or the Eagles Uh, and Cowboys? uh, Giants and Eagles-Cowboys. Giants are going to win because of the Wink-Martindale effect. I think that the Eagles are going to beat the Cowboys just because I just feel like someone's going to separate in that division. It's going to be the Eagles. All right. Sounds great. Thanks for coming on, Kevin. Always appreciate it, my friend. All right. Peace. All right, Kevin Boiler here. And before I wrap up the show, uh, once again, you can find Kevin's stuff on heavy.com. He also is a big lacrosse buff if you're, you're into lacrosse. But you can find Kevin's stuff on giantsonheavy.com. Uh, great show today. Uh, Tony Shields bringing the heat early on. Uh, I got to give a quick take on the Carson Wentz situation here because I think it's absolutely hilarious. To me, I just don't know how you come back from what Rob Rivera said about you. I, I just can't figure it out. Can you imagine your boss said you're the reason why your team isn't as good as everybody else? You don't recover from that. And Carson Wentz is the most fragile ego, ego in the world, as we know. This may be it for him. We're going to see Wentz Week 10 against the Eagles. I, I really don't. I you know, The Eagles and Giants don't play till December. Carson may be benched by then. It may be Taylor Heineke. It may be Sam Howell. Washington needs this win Thursday night. They need this win in the worst way. They need to beat a bad team like the Chicago Bears. They need to stay alive. Because right now, if the Eagles win Sunday, they're going to be up two on the Cowboys with the tiebreaker. So it's virtually three. And you're going to be up your one or two on the Giants, depending on what they do. And you don't play them in December. So, yeah, you're watching. You need this win. Bad. Very bad. So I got to wrap this show up here, guys. I actually wrote a piece for CBSSports.com, how the MC East went from trash to competitive in just two years. You'll want to check that out. I mentioned a lot of reasons why, mostly. And I mentioned every every team. Now, I didn't mention the commander because I'm not doing well. But um, I did mention the teams. I also mentioned the schedule. It's a fun article. I hope you guys enjoyed it. That will be coming out later on CBSSports.com today. Verse 365, Joey McDowell, John McMullen. Coming up next year on Jacob Sports. Just a reminder to like, hit that subscribe button. Keep it up in the comments, guys. I see it. I hear it. I feel it. You guys are awesome, man. Have a good day. My name is Jeff Kerr, CBS Sports. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Philadelphia fans. 
were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles.